Hallelujah. It's good to be here this morning. Hallelujah. You guys feeling good? Yes, I am feeling great. My name is Pastor Chico and I'm here today to share God's word with you. May God bless you. Before we begin, I just want to throw up a quick Bible quiz because today we'll be speaking about the Bible. So it's fit for us to have a Bible quiz, but I don't have any chocolate for you. So, so, yes. But I have a question. The first question is this. Which book, uh, which, which chapter is the longest chapter in the Bible? Anyone? Not the pastors. <laughs> Anyone? The longest chapter. It has 150 chapters. Shout. Psalms. 119. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Uh-huh. And so how many books are in the Old and New Testament? Shout the number. How many books of the Bible and in New Testament? 27. Well done. And the Old Testament? Hello? Old Testament? Did I hear something there? 39, well done. Hey, well done. You guys are very good, eh? Lastly, I want the two words of the shortest verse of the Bible. You don't have to mention the chapter and the book, just the two words. What does it say? The shortest verse of the Bible. Jesus, Jesus wife. well done, well done. Wow. I think I'm packing my bags, I'm going. I don't need to speak about the Bible anymore. <laughs> You guys are very good. Well done, guys. Thank you. Well, uh, as you all know that we are, part of, we are part of a series called Back to Basic. Oh, there it is. Back to Basic. And the possible deal, two weeks, a couple of weeks ago, he started by speaking about uh, us being disciples. And then he, he carried on and he spoke about the church. And the last week he spoke about faith. And today we'll be speaking about the Bible. I will, uh, let me just start by reading this, uh, this verse here in Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your words are lamp to my feet and the light to my path. But today, I want us to concentrate mostly in the second Timothy chapter two, 3 from verse 16 to 17. If you have your Bible, can you open second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17? Verse 16 to 17. Let me say this. So there was a pastor, a new pastor in a church, and he was asked to go teach a youth class. It was the only boys' class. And he, because the teacher was not there. So the pastor went inside and, and he didn't know what to teach, so he, he decided to do a Bible quiz. But his question was this. Who broke down the walls of Jericho? And one by one, the boys stood up. They said, not me. (laughs) Not me. So they denied all of them. The pastor was so devastated. And he went back. There was this elders meeting, the the leadership of the church. And he said, I'm so disappointed. These boys, they don't know who broke down the wall of Jericho. And there was a big silence in the room. And then one of the elders, seasoned elder, 
he stood up and was like, Pastor, I can see this is bothering you so much. But let me tell you one thing. I know those boys from the childhood. If they say they did not do it, it means they did not do it. Why don't we take some money for maintenance so that you can build this wall? Wow. It is a sad story. Very sad story for today's Bible knowledge. It means the whole church almost did not know that God is the one who broke down the walls of Jericho. So I want to do two things this morning to you. If I do it properly, praise God. If I don't, okay, praise God. (laughs) So I want to help you to see how precious, awesome, and amazing this book is. And the second thing I want to do this morning is to stir you up a hunger and passion to read this book more and more. Now, at the end of the service, come to me and tell me if I did that. Will you do that? All right. Let's, let's carry on. So, but in that, I'll be pointing out three things this morning. So, if I will give you the title of what I'll be speaking about this morning, I call it the Bible, My Life Guide. The, the, the three things that I'll be po- pointing out this morning is that the uniqueness of the Bible, the relevance of the Bible, and the transformative power of the Bible. So the question I have this morning is this. What has kept this book in the top bestsellers of the world? What has kept this book, if you go to any home, or most of the home, even of those non-Christian, somehow, somewhere, they have a Bible somewhere. What has kept this book that when you go to a hotel room, in, your, in, the, in, the, in the lampstand or somewhere there, you find the book, the Bible. What is it about this book that you cannot make it go away? What is it? Have you asked that question? Well, Paul answered this, and he said this in our passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, chapter 2, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. It says this: All scriptures is breathed out by God. So the first point I'll mention is the uniqueness of the Bible. So the word it says there, all scriptures is inspired by God. So the word, the word Inspire in its original language is called, let me mention some Greek here, it's called Theonistos. So Theo means God, Nustos means breath. Alright? It's important to mention this because it helps us to understand better. So it means that Theonistos, it means, literally means the breath of God. So what I'm holding here in my hands are the very breath of God. So this book is not an ordinary book because it's literally breathed out by God. That's what makes this book unique. So I'm here to tell you that you can collect books. I'm here to tell you you can read a lot of books. 
But I want to exhort you that in your collection and your reading, never ever find yourself reading more about the book than the book itself. I love, it. I love this author. He wrote a book called, uh, his name is Philip Yancey. He wrote a, book, wrote a book called, What's So Amazing About Grace? But God did not breathe out in that book. I love this author. He, he, his name is John Maxwell. He wrote this book called Intentional Living. But God did not breathe out in that book. I love this other author. that he, he, his, his name is Dallas Willard. He wrote a book called Hearing God. But God did not breathe out in that book. So what makes this book to be unique, the Bible, is the very breath of God. So it means that when I open it, when I open the book, this Bible, God breathes out, comes out from it. When I read this book, it speaks God. So in that sense, I want to point out that, so what makes this book unique, this the first thing I want to mention is the transformative evidences that we found in this book that makes it so unique because somehow it, is, it transforms life. From Genesis chapter 1, when God opened up his mouth, this book, when he breathed out his words, what happened? The, word was the world was created. When God opened up his mouth, in, Je- in Genesis chapter 1 still, what happened? Table Mountain was formed. When God opened up his mouth, what happened? The Drunkensberg Mountains were formed. When God opened up his mouth, Victoria Fall was formed. God, when you open up his mouth, something happened. Now, I will not say this. It's like when you take this book, when you open it, when you let God speak, something will happen. Something will happen. So this book is not just a mixing of uh, tests. It's the very breath of God. Well, let's go to some history in the Bible itself. This it gives us evidences, transformative evidences. There was a guy called Moses, eight years old. He's, he's shepherding the sheep, and then the burning bush starts speaking. God opened up his mouth, he spoke to Moses, and his life was changed. He became one of the greatest leaders. He led Israel out of Egypt. His life was transformed. There was a man, it's a German, man, German guy called Martin Luther. He was a monk, well dedicated. He was spending his, his time trying to manufacture religion in his own strength until one day he picked up this book, the Bible, and he read Romans chapter 1, verse 17. That says, The just shall live by faith. And his life was transformed, redirected. He became the father of reformation. There's a guy called Charles Spurgeon. He was a, one of the greatest preachers in England. He, he was invited by the queen to preach in this, in this massive auditorium. And there was a lot of dignitary coming. So he went there to, to test the acoustic. Those days, they didn't have microphones. So in testing the acoustics, 
He did not do like we do today. When you test the microphone, we do one, two, one, two, one, two, testing, one, two, one, two. No, he went there. He didn't do one, two, one, two. He quoted John 1, 29. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of, of man. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of man. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of man. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of man. He spoke those words over and over and over. He was testing. But there was a cleaner cleaning. He had those words over and over and over and over. When Charles Spurgeon finished saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of man. That man was standing in front of him. He said, Sir, I want to get to know Jesus. I repent. Charles Spurgeon did not preach. He just took these words and he says them. Life was changed. In 2002, in a city called Nampula in Mozambique, away from hometown, a man called Chico had these words. And his life was redirected from Mozambique to South Africa. That's why I'm here today. So we have evidences after evidences after evidence of people who encounter the fire of this book and their life will not the same. And you and me are testimony of that. You are here today because the fire of this book. Oh. It's because you touched this book. You heard this book. And it changed you. So there's power in this book. All scripture is God's breath. It is God himself speaking through it. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. It says. Do not be conformed. To this world. But be transformed. By renewing of your mind. So in the, when you enter this book, when you consume this book, you will be transformed. So these are evidences that he, actually this book is not just a book, an ordinary book. It is God breathing out. Man, I'm hoping today when you go home, when you take this book, you're going to revere it. You're going to take this book and take it seriously. When you open it, you know that it is God. Breathing out his words to you. Are you with me? So it is because of its uniqueness that my life was redirected. It is because of its uniqueness that your life was redirected. This book is the only book that can meaningfully guide our lives. So that's, that's the first thing. That we have this transformative evidence. But as well we have textual evidences. So and a textual evidence is that this book, is, it was written by 40 authors, all authors. So what happened is this. From the first guy who wrote Genesis, which was Moses, to the last guy who wrote Revelation, which was John, it was 1,500 years has lapsed or passed. 
But the incredible thing is this. All of these 40 authors, they wrote in different circumstances, different times, and different continents. This book was written in Africa, in Asia, and Europe, not in America. <laughs> America will be upset. <laughs> so, there were different circumstances that they wrote the book. Let me tell you that David wrote, the, wrote his Psalms when he was, it, was, it was a time of war. Daniel wrote when he was in exile. So there was time of war, exile, there was time of peace, there's all things, everything is in there. But one thing I want to tell you is this. Even though all these years passed, different situation, different time, different continent, different author, but they have only one message. The redemptive purpose of God. And it all points out to one person, our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great unity in these authors. It looks like that the, the, there was someone behind it pushing this message all the time. And indeed it was. Because it's God himself. It is God's breath. It's God was behind all this. But not only that, this book has standed test of time. How many people tried to destroy this book? Many people tried to destroy it, ridicule it. They ridiculed it. It went to scrutiny after scrutiny from generation to generation. The archaeologists, they came and said, we can prove that the Bible is not true. Each time they dig, they find something that proves the Bible. The science, scientists, the camera's like, no, 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 we can prove this. The Bible is not true. Even time they try, they could not. And the philosophers, they came as well and said, hey, we can prove. And one of these great examples of philosophers is, is Voltaire in France. He said, like, we can prove that this, this Bible, he stood up with his audience, he raised up and said, this book, in 100 years from now, it's going to be no more. It's going to be irrelevant. No one is going to read it. Probably the place you can find it is going to be in a museum. After some time, Voltaire died. And then because he was a, a French icon in philosophy, they, they auctioned his house. And on the auction his house, when the hammer was hit in the auctioneer, who bought the house? French Bible Society. <laughs> so for, for, for decades to come, French Bible Society used Voltaire's house to print thousands and thousands and thousands of the Bible. So it stands test of time. So let me tell you, friends, there's no a book like this one in the world. It's a precious book. It's so precious that some places in China, they, some people, they just have just a piece of, uh, of, of, of paper of a few chapters. Some, it's so precious that some, they try to memorize it. It's so precious, friends. 
So you and me, you need to take this book seriously. But then, probably you're sitting here and it's like, how can this book be relevant to me in this 20th century? This book is old. It was written thousands of years ago. Doesn't even mention Google. Doesn't even mention Facebook. Doesn't even mention... eh? Second point, the relevance of the Bible. Verse 16, he says, So all scriptures is God's breath and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, teaching and training in righteousness are inspirational in nature. So you inspire people. And the reproving and correction are more of a, uh, let me say, the things that we don't like. They pull you. They take something out of you. So here, how can it be reliable? Here it says, this book is reliable because it's profitable. It's profitable. First thing, for teaching. So teaching here comes from the, the same family of words, which is righteousness. Paul is saying here is that this book teaches people the right way to live. So it is relevant today, yes. Why? Because this book teaches people the right way to live. I want to know how to live in this world. I was giving an example earlier that it's the same thing like when you have a household, you, what you do, you put some rules and laws in your house. Now, if you have breakfast at 5 o'clock in the morning, in my house, I have a breakfast at 10 o'clock. If I'm coming to visit you, I have to wake up at 5 or I'm go hungry. Because you put rules in your house. God is saying, I made this world. And I gave you the manual rules how to live life here on this earth. And you say, no, close this book. I'm going to Google. So this book is so relevant because it's going to teach you how to live in this world that God has created. In this world that God has created. But then you carry on, but what are we to be t- teaching? Here it goes directly, speaks directly to us, uh, the, the pastors, what you need to teach, all scripture, but as well, like, what you need to learn, all scripture, everyone will learn all scriptures. But the challenge here is this. When you speak about all scripture, it speaks about the benediction, the salutation, the genealogy, the prophetics, from the parables to the poetics, everything needs to be taught, everything needs to be studied, everything needs to be read. If you're like me, when I read Bible, there are, parts, there are places when I, I, I want to read this book, and then I open the first page to find uh, about the, the father of whatever, or the, the father of all. This one is the son of what? How many of you have skipped that? Now I want to correct you this morning. The Bible says all scripture. So please, today when you read your Bible, read genealogy. 
It is profitable. There's something you can get out of there. Do you know what's the, what's the biggest problem is this? We lack good stuff in the Bible, right? We lack, it's like something like, we, uh, I, I like chocolate cake. I like mava pudding. Oh, macaroni and cheese. Those are like, oh, I like grace. I like, I like um, God's mercy. But then we forgot that the Bible as well has judgment. Has hell. Those are like broccolis. Eh? They're like uh, uh, cauliflowers. Eh? Uh, they're like, can you see those? Do you know the, 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 the squash? I think, I, I, I think broccoli, remember when Jesus comes back, we're going to have a feast. Broccoli is not going to be that feast. <laughs> those are terrible. But let me tell you one thing, my friend. If you want a balanced diet, you need to eat broccoli. It's bitter. Or it's not nice, but hey, you need a balanced diet. So it's the same thing on the scripture. That's why it's say all scripture. Please don't jump and jump and jump and jump. Read there and there. This I don't like. Mm, no, leave it for, for pastor. Uh, no. All scripture are profitable. Oh. Are you going to read genealogy, right? Let's do that. But it's not only... So it's relevant because it's, it's not only the, the idea of teaching, but as well it reproves you. To reprove, the idea of reproving simply means to convince or expose in order to bring about repentance. Hashem say that the book is like a mirror. So when you hold it in front of you, what is going to do? You're going to show where you fall off or fall short. And they're going to reprove you. So that you can repent. But it's not just relevant because, to, to, uh, because of reproving. But it's relevant as well because uh, it will correct you. It will correct you. So correction here is a, it means taking, taking what is out of alignment and bring it into alignment. I think people who put breasts, is, the idea is that to align your teeth. I know I put breasts. I don't know. Is it painful? If those who put breasts in, in the mouth. Is it painful or not? It is painful. So for you to align your teeth, you go through some pain, but not only that, it takes time. You, you, you put those breasts for some, for some time. So here it says, correction is that way. It's like you put those breasts, and then it, what, what it does, it... It aligns your teeth, even if it's painful, and it takes time, but it aligns you. So that's correction. It aligns you. So if daily you give yourself this book, after some time, people see that uh-uh, something has changed. You look different now. But it's not only correction, but as well, it says that it's relevant because it's tra- it trains you t- into Righteousness. The idea of training in righteousness, it means to bring a person from immaturity to maturity. It's the idea of growth. Paul is saying, pastors, that's directed to the pastors. Pastors, 
If you teach this book, your people will grow. People, if you start this book, you will grow. But if you're not growing, there's two problems. There's two problems. One is because it means that you're not studying this book. Two, probably you're not saved at all. <laughs> like just, just yesterday we went to, we went to the saloon, uh, hairdresser, uh, me, my, my wife, and, and Zoe. So we went to the saloon, and you can see, I'm like, well, nice cut, right? Yeah? My, <laughs> my wife as well. She was, so, but he, the idea is this. We came out of that saloon, three of us, we went there to fix our hair. But we came out of that saloon, me and my wife, neat, nice, well done. But another person, Zoe, came out of the saloon, it's like there was a tornado in her hair. And now I'm sitting like wondering what happened. Is it the problem of the, the hairdresser? I don't think so. The problem there is this. Me and my wife were set, and whatever the hairdresser or the, 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 the barber said, we obeyed. Turn right, turn right. Turn left, turn left. Did everything they did, and then you come out nice and neat and beautiful. Now Zoe doesn't have that. She sat on the chair when the devil said, turn right, she turned left. <laughs> sit down, she's standing. Turn this way, she cries. So the result, it was like this tornado that she came out of the, in there. So what I'm trying to say is here is this. This word is not the problem. The problem is you, if you are be able to be, like the Bible says, to be still and know that that the Lord is God. So the problem in that saloon is like Zoe could not sit still and let the barber do his job. And today as well, the way that God is calling you to be still and listen to him and learn from him. And most of us, we're not still. And we are called to be still this morning. And no. That the Lord is God. Lastly, the transformative power of the Bible. In verse 17 it says that the man of God may be complete, equipped in every good works. So I, I want to emphasize in this, in the, uh, two, two words here. Complete and equipped. So complete uh, means a person who is sound of body and mind, fully grown, specifically means someone fitted for its intended purpose. So now since God made you for his purpose, the only thing to do is to study his word so that you can be able to know his purpose, not the things of this world. So the idea of complete, or if I summarize it, I'll, I'll say, when I say for the man of God to be complete, he's saying to be mature. Let me say this. It's so beautiful when you are walking or sitting with a mature Christian, seasoned with the word of God. So when you when you have a conversation 
what comes out in their heart is the word of God. Because they are mature. Because they've read this book. They've experienced it. They heard, they learned from it. Now, we have a challenge as a people of God to be that type. Because that's what the Bible is saying here. So that the man of God can be complete. It is so important for you to be complete. Because further, further you will say, not only complete, I want you to be equipped. It means to be furnished. You will have adequate resources to minister to others. So you'll be, you'll be equipped. Did you find yourself difficult, uh, uh, having difficult to, to, to talk to someone about God? It's because you're not equipped. You're not complete. You do not consume more of this. So God is calling you to be complete and equipped Christian, mature Christian, people who are seasoned with the word of God. That when I sit with you, when I have a conversation with you, what comes out to you are these very words. But then he carries on and says, the purpose of this is so that you can do good works. So you're not going to be able to do good work in this world if you're not filled with this word. What good works are you going to do? So you and me, we're called to do that, to consume more. So good work is that you're giving what you have. If you don't have scripture, what are you going to give? What are you going to give? So brothers and sisters, this morning I want to say it's imperative that we study God's word. We read God's word. We meditate in it. Because one thing I want to tell you is this. Because in here, there is everything you need for life. Amen? There's anything you need for life. There was this joke. It is a joke, actually. They say, you know, the world dusted day. I mean, the dust, right? We're gonna, we can call the world dusted day a day where every single person in the world reached out to their shelf and took out their Bible and dust them off. The whole world will be filled with dust. It's a joke. It means that people, they don't read their Bibles. A lot of the Bible are gathering dust. We have the Bible, but we don't open them. I've heard the story of a pastor who visited, a, a, I think I heard from Pastor Valdir, I don't know, I can't remember. But a pastor who visited a, a, a home and then he, he, he stole the spoon. No, not stealing, but he took a spoon and he put it inside the Bible. And then they, this was like, you know, you know those people, I think most of the African culture, they're like that. So you have this cupboard, right? With these uh, plates and crackers just for the special guests, Right? So this woman took this beautiful one. Oh, pastor is here today. Hey! She brought this beautiful forks and knife. And then one knife or spoon disappeared. She looked for it, nothing. She's like, seriously, seriously? did the pastor stole my spoon? In no ways. Now after weeks passed, the pastor came back. And then he's like, I think I need to ask. Those, those spoons are like so precious. Pastor, have you seen? But anyway, oh, by mistake, a spoon. And the pastor say, 
Oh, yes, of course. It's in your Bible. So it means that all this time, this person did not even open the Bible once. So they, we have a lot of Bibles. I have like probably almost eight or ten Bibles, different Bibles in my house. So we all have Bible, but most of them are gathering dust. But today I want to encourage you to dust off. All right? Let's dust off our Bibles and let's get into it as read because in it there is life. There is power to transform you and change you and guide you in your life. Let's, if you are a person who reads the Bible, now today I want to challenge you to read more. Take more time. Do more. Because we want to see all of you guys as seasoned, seasoned, seasoned Christians. who are full of the word of God. Wherever you open your mouth, you speak the word of God. Wherever you speak to someone or encourage someone, it all comes from what you've learned from the word of God. That's what we want to see. So because in this book there is everything. If you need peace, it's in here. If you need victory... It's in here. If you need joy, it's in here. If you need encouragement, it's in here. If you need money, <laughs> if you need advice about money, it's in here. Everything is need, you need is in here. Dear friend, everything, I'm repeating, everything you need is in here, not in Google. Not in Google. Let me finish with these words in John chapter 8, verse 31, 32. It says this. If you abide in my word. Let me start again. If you abide in my word. You are my disciples indeed. And then he carries on saying. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Hallelujah. And the truth shall set you free. Oh, brothers and sisters, let me read these words of this unknown author. He said this word. He said, this book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. And the Caridone said, it contains light to direct you, food to sustain you, and comfort to cheer you up. And the Caridone further says, it is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian charter. Christ is, it is grand subject. Our, our good, it is design. And the glory of God, it is end. It should, it, it should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the faith. Read it slowly. Read it lovingly. Read it reverently. Read it systematically. Read it meditatively. Read it daily. Read it prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. 
Lastly, he says these words. Follow it. Uh, follow its precepts. It will lead you to Calvary. To the empty tomb. To the resurrection life of Christ. Yes, to the glory itself for eternity. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord Jesus, this morning. Thank you that your word is a lamp in my foot that guides me. Lord, I pray that this morning, Lord Jesus, you will help us to take this word so serious that it is breathed out by God. It is so important, this word, that we cannot live our life here properly without it. It's to the test of time. Because it's breathed out by God. Father, we pray that Lord Jesus is going to help us to be people who are diligent, dedicated. And you take this book and read it intentionally with purpose. And commit ourselves to meditate on it daily. Lord, may you treasure this book because in it there's life. Today we're standing here because of this book. And Lord Jesus, may you take this book seriously in our life, Lord. Lord, thank you so much for giving us this book. If it wasn't this book, where could we be? And today, Lord Jesus, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for instructing 40 authors to write this book so that today we have guides. My life today, your life today, it depends on this book. So let's read it, meditate on it, and do what it says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 May God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you.